Don't you dare be sour. Anthony Merced is taking over Red Bull 2 Radio, otherwise known as Raising Bulls, here tonight, along with Joe Goldstein's ventriloquist dummy, Joe Steen. How are you doing tonight? Brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughnecks Cars. How are you doing, Joe Steen? I'm awesome. Glad you're hosting. I am so happy to be hosting. I have not been here for the last few weeks for reasons that are unbeknownst to anyone other than the fact that Joe Goldstein would not call me the dummy that is uh, the real dummy of this whole thing because he's not on the show tonight. He's not on the show, but I am. How great is that, Joe Dean? Oh, it's it's amazing. I, 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 uh, I can't contain my excitement. I'm sure you can. But don't worry, because we're going to have a lot to talk about tonight, including our special guest, Nico Devera, later on. Um, but let's talk about some things that aren't quite so great, including the results from this last week and weekend. So we had a game in midweek against Bethlehem Steel, a 2-2 draw that quite honestly should have probably been a 2-0 win. Um, we had Stefano Bonomo scoring two goals, putting them up to nothing, and then pretty much after the 85th minute, Bethlehem Steel coming back out of nowhere. Red Bull 2 still does not have a road win in the USL this season. Joe Steen, what the heck? What's going on? Why can't this team lock it down on the road? I wish I had the answer, to be honest. Uh, They didn't really play well in this game throughout any part of it. Maybe in the first half they had a control of the game and they get the goal uh, by Bonomo via the penalty spot and had a second penalty waved off controversially because it stopped play in the middle of the area and then it was waved off, which allowed... Uh, Bethlehem a let off because Red Bulls 2 still had a scoring opportunity. But in the second half, they really didn't seem like they were in control at all. It just seemed to be no, you know, Bethlehem got more into the game. And then they got to go out of nowhere, really, with Bonomo uh, with a great individual effort. And then after the 85th minute, they completely switched off. They allowed a free header from a corner, which resulted in a goal. And then legitimately in the last minute, they get scored on. And then it just – everything fell apart. You just saw, you know, everybody just shoulders, you know, heads down. How did we let this slip away? And I just don't know where to go with this team on the road. It's just a mystery of why they don't really play well and can't control games at all on the road this year. So, it, I mean, you look at the stats, obviously not the goals because those are the most important stats, but, you know, they, they had 52% possession of the game. Um, they, they they seem to dominate the important stats, except for the fact that late in this game, they seem to surrender. What is it about the defense of this team? We've seen it since last year. It's um it, it's just not been solid. Jordan Scarlett has not been the uh, replacement for Aaron Long that we thought he would be. Um, and, and just like, what is going on with this, with this team in the back line? Well, there's a lot of new faces on the back line this year. I mean, obviously our guest tonight, Nico Devera is new, uh, Lucas Stauffer's new, Kevin Pollitt is new, Wahab Akwi's new. So they really have a lot of new faces that they're going to have to integrate on this squad. They are really not returning too many players back there. So I think it's more of a... I want to say uh, 
that they're not experienced enough against these teams. I mean, and they've struggled against Bethlehem in the past, too. This isn't something that's been, you know, just come out of nowhere. They really haven't played well against them the last two seasons. They don't have a win against them in their last four games. And mainly, I just think it's the youth. I think they just, they're going to get better as the season goes along. But when they come up against these teams that are going to punish them when they don't take their chances, it's going to take a lot for them to win games like this. Well, here's a hot take because, you know, and, and we're going to talk about this when we get to Ottawa as well. But um, is this team now pulling from the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the youth? Like, obviously, years one and two, we saw, you know, the likes of Tyler Adams, Sean Davis, Aaron Long, all these kinds of guys that they brought in from both internally and externally. Ha- have we reached the point where they're, they're kind of just like the rest of the two teams at this point? I wouldn't say that because we thought this last year um, with their talent too. And they didn't peak until August, this team. And then they really, nobody expected them to go on the run they did and make the Eastern Conference Finals again last year. And then to have guys like Florian Below and Ethan Cutler and Hassan Adam make the first team this year and put in good performances with the first team, I think is encouraging. I think it's just going to take a little bit for them to work out the kinks in the squad, but I'm still confident they'll be a decent team in the East this year. So then last thing I'd say about Bethlehem Steel before we move on to the atrociousness that was the Ottawa game. Um, Just is this team becoming the rival that Rochester was for Red Bull two for all, for all these years uh, since their quote unquote hiatus? Oh, I think so. Uh, there, there was a little bit of a uh, question on Twitter if they're rivals or not, but I definitely think they're rivals. Bethlehem really seems to get up for these games against them, and they're always very tactical games. Bethlehem's really quick on the counter. They play a lot like their, uh, I want to say, well, their first team in the Union or their their parent team in the Union, and Red Bull always struggles against that. So it it. To me, it's, I think it's a rivalry, and I'm sure a lot of other people do too. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the Ottawa game, which I don't know if a lot of people know this. Obviously, they don't. Joe Goldstein is not on this podcast tonight. And the reason why he is not here is because he is so sick from the performance of Red Bull 2 in this game that he is just still hovering over a toilet somewhere, like puking up his guts. A 3-0 loss at home to the Ottawa Fury, putting the Fury over 500 for the first time this season, I believe. No, they're not over 500. Uh-huh. Um, don't listen to me at all with that part. But they, uh, they're not a, a great team. But losing 3-0 at home, yes, it is a second game this week, but geez, is this a big letdown uh, from, from the week prior. Yeah, really wasn't. This is the game I expected them to bounce back after the Bethlehem showing. And they concede in under 10 minutes into the game. And it was a simple, simple ball over the top. It's laid off to Reed, and he puts it in from outside the box. And then right there, you thought, okay, they're going to have to work their way back into this game. And they did. They had some chances. A couple calls didn't go their way. But again, you can't put that on the refs. You have to be able to take your chances. They, again, didn't really take their chances in the first half. They come out in the second half. They're very lackluster again. They get caught on the counter two more times, and Reed punishes them again. 
So this is a game I expected them to rebound, and it seems like they went completely in the opposite direction again. So what is it here? So like this is the big issue I have with this game because this is one of the most – and I watched some pretty frustrating World Cup games this weekend. Uh, but this one frustrated me the most because – we know Red Bull 2 in the past is being a dynamic team that forces fouls, that make that makes the opposition make silly mistakes. They weren't able to do any of that in this game. Um, they they just they seem to not have any kind of creativity. Yes, they had a few chances here or there. A lot of them seem to be kind of point blank shots. Um, what like what is missing this year that they're just not able to convert against teams that in uh, maybe last year, but definitely two years ago, they would have absolutely crushed a team like this. I think they're struggling for creativity this year. I think Jared Stroud's one of their more creative players, but he obviously didn't play in this game. Uh, Andrew Tenari came off the bench. I think they kind of missed his ability to to press and also help the the Caceres and Lima counter press and be able to get the ball up to White and those guys, but. Again, I didn't understand really Brian White starting on the wing. I kind of like him better in the central role. Um, but I don't think they really put a lot of chances. to. They they really don't have the creativity they've had in years past. You know, last year they had Florian Below and Junior Flemings contributed to some of that. And they had Bonomo and, and Flemings obviously banging goals. This year, it's not really – they really don't have – I really haven't seen anyone step up except Stroud and – to some points, Tanari, and they really need somebody else to step into that. I mean, Moreno, Amanda Moreno's shown what he can do as far as taking guys on, you know, putting the defense under pressure, and he scored that he scored a good amount this year. But they need somebody else, I think, in the midfield to step up and be creative. So, like this team has played sixteen games. That's more than anyone else in the Eastern Conference. We're looking at five, five, and six for their record. One win in their last five games. Yeah, oof. Is this a playoff team? Is this the kind of team that you could see making that top eight at this point? I think so. Uh, I'm being optimistic here because they've struggled against some teams that, like you said, they should have beaten and probably beaten by a few goals. But again, last year we didn't. They, this team had the same struggle around this time. And then right in, as August came, Towards the end of the month, they started peaking. They went on that run in, in August and into September, and then they make the playoffs, and then they beat both Charleston and Tampa in the playoffs to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I don't think we've seen the best of this team yet, but they're, they need to get going in a hurry. That's fair enough. But here's the other thing about it. So this is the second year at Montclair State University. Is this venue really the proper fit for this team. Look, there was 800 fans, at least the announced attendance for this game. Are we looking at a team that is seeing the right kind of support in the USL from this venue? Should they be in Red Bull Arena where they're dealing with grass? I mean, they're, they're just like, there's so many questions right now as to why this team is not producing the way it did in the past, as you would any championship team from two years ago. I think Montclair is fine for them. They had a really good turnout for the uh, Charlotte Independence game, which they won 4-2. to two. This weekend, games on a Sunday, not really ideal for them. But they, I thought the turnout was still pretty good. It's just a matter that they didn't play well enough. Uh, but I think 
I, I like the Montclair State. I, I like Montclair State better than Robo Arena. I feel like the crowd's more interactive there with the with with the players and all that. And I feel like again, this team will get going. It's just a matter of them putting it all together. All right, so here we go. Man of the match here. Um, who did you have for the Bethlehem Steel game? I think this is a unanimous one here, but Josine, the puppet of Joe Goldstein, just give Joel Goldstein's answer. It's got to be Stefano Bonomo. Uh, it was good to see him break out of his slump. He gets two goals. Second one was very well taken, I might add, uh, especially because he was able to, to control the ball in a tight space and get around a couple guys and put it in. I was going to say it's Willie Caballero because he obviously did not stop any of those goals in this game. But moving on to the Ottawa game, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to say if any of these guys um, could get the player of the game. But name somebody. Name someone that did something good in this Ottawa game. I can't really name anybody. No one really performed well. So I can't. Nothing. No one. <laughs> not not no. even the hot dog vendor. No. Wow. I'm going to give this to our guy, Willie Whitehall, because Willie's the man and he's the MVP. So Willie gets the man of the match for Ottawa because Willie's awesome. So I'm just going to give, give it, give it to him. I mean, why not? And all right, here we go with the Red Bull two report. Pretty much guys who have been here and not here anymore and doing stuff in places that are very hard to pronounce. So here we go. Domestically speaking, and this is uh, a bunch of guys who it, it, it is really easy to figure out what they did. Rafi Diaz loved him, thought he was had a lot of future here. Apparently did not play in um, Sacramento SC's draw against St. Louis FC 2-2. Noah Powder with OKC SC. Remember that guy? Let go for reasons. What was it? I think it was something about like uh, like... So something about like conduct issues. Anyway, um, he started played 62 minutes in the six, one win over the Tulsa Roughnecks. Wow. It's Tulsa a bad team this year. Um, Dan Metzger midfielder always loved him. Great guest. Go find the podcast that we talked to him last year. Um, played started and played 83 minutes in Penn FC's two, one win over the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, David Najem. Oh, man, do I still wish he was on this team. He is out for the remainder of the season with an ACL injury. So that stinks. Junior Flemings, also of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, um, did what did he do in this game? Because I can't read Joe Goldstein's. um, uh, ah, He was not in the 18. For the 2-1 loss um, against Penn FC. So there you go. Junior Flemings, man, you want to talk about a guy who went from heights to lows. That's to not make the 18 against Penn FC. That that really hurts. Brandon Allen uh, didn't play because there was no games this weekend. So there you go. Corey Herzog um, of Red Bull fame and Pittsburgh Riverhounds fame in, in years past. For, but this time is playing with St. Louis FC. Did not make the 18 in the 2-2 draw against the Sacramento Republic. Kyle Rainish, New York Cosmos, New York Red Bulls fame. Um, for Fresno FC, did not play in their 1-0 loss to the Colorado Springs switch packs. Zach Carroll, the guy who I said should have never been let go by Red Bulls too. 
um, started and played 90 minutes for Reno 1868 in their 2-0 win against us, uh, SAFC. So guess what? That means I was right and Joe Goldstein was wrong. So just keep that in your like tally for like who's right and who's wrong because obviously that means I'm more right than he is wrong. Uh, Conrad Plava for St. Louis as he uh, was for SLC. I'm sorry, SLC Monarchs was off this week. Speedy Williams for Louisville City FC started and played 90 minutes for a 2-2 draw against North Carolina FC. Mike Defonte for Phoenix Rising FC, one of the most entertaining teams you can watch in this league. Started and played 90 minutes in the most unentertaining nil-nil draw against Rio Grande Valley FC. So that was contradiction. Uh, yeah, it was. That's why I said it. So be quiet. I'm going through the report here. Um, Carl Wiemetz for the Indy 11 were off this week, although he's been playing very well for them. Jamie Thomas uh, has been playing for the Major Arena Soccer League. And guess what? The season's over, so nobody cares. Um, let's go to the foreign leagues. Get ready for me to butcher some names here, guys, because Zico Lewis plays in Iceland and played in the Iceland Cup for... F.H. Hafnerfjarr. Hafnerfjarr. Um, was that better than I did? Because I don't think it was. I think it was, but okay. Was it? Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he played a bunch of minutes, and he played and in their one nothing win over Ithrabangalagosness in the Iceland Cup. Can you do that better than me? Ethroth Abalong Akronis. That is definitely a lot that, better than me. That, that was <laughs> so <laughs> close. <laughs> Ethroth said it, and I said it. Ethroth Abandalog Akronis. Exactly. There you go. Uh, Tim Schmall for for Aldershot Town. Guess what? Their season's over. They did not get promoted. Um, Marius Oberkop as well did uh, not play in the Romanian league because their season's over. Everyone's season's over, including Aaron Basulovic and Anatoly Abong, who who knows where he's going to end up next year. And that covers us through the Red Bull 2 report. Up next, Nico Devera to answer all of our questions, including whatever questions were pumped through the ventriloquist dummy that is Joe Steen. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back to Raising Bulls. It is I, your esteemed, amazing, greatest host ever, Anthony Merced. And we are here with our greatest guest ever, Nico Devera. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing fantastic. And we're going to start this interview off uh, going, getting back in our way back machine here. Look, Nico, you were with the... Um, Youth Academy for the Portland Tibbers back in 2013. Talk to us a little bit about what that was like before dipping into the college soccer scene. Yes. Um, so my first year with the Timbers, that was the first year the academy actually ever existed over there. So it was a new new program for them. 
Um, all the coaching stuff there was pretty new, so uh, it was a it was a larger, big adjustment from high school soccer. I went to high school for two years and then had to get to economy. Um, yeah, we just got Caleb Porter over there as a head coach, so he really took charge of the whole academy, everything from academy to 23s to the reserves with DSL. Uh, he really took the grass for that and made his made his mark there. And um, a lot of the guys from the academy were with me for my club team, which was uh, made it a lot easier. I think that's what helped us the first year um, was the chemistry. And uh, I think the only difference between the club and the academy was all the travel and then getting to wear an MLS patch on your jersey. So, kind of pursue the soccer career even more and kind of want it and kind of, okay, I want to be a pro now. So, it got me a lot of looks from different colleges, obviously, and I I kind of was talking to the top two schools heavily, and then uh, Akron actually came out of the blue for me. Um, I wasn't really talking to him much, and once I heard them in the convo, I was like a no-brainer. I just knew I wanted to go there. Was there any reason in spe- uh, specifically that made you choose Akron? Did What stood out uh, specifically that made you want to go there? Yeah, so the 2010 season they had, they had uh, that's when they won it. And they had a lot of people go pro and all. Uh, I just remember all the big names there, like Nagy and Yedlin. And I just, I wasn't really sure how how to go about like making a college decision and then once I heard them um, on the phone and getting emails and texts from them I was okay wow this is this is cool this is serious so I just kind of looked into into everything there soccer wise looked a little bit more into it and then uh, another player on my academy team was actually talking to them as well I actually went over there with them and he had a lot of good things to say about it as well and so I just had to make that decision. Yeah, so New York Red Bulls, too, has been known for its incredible competitiveness for spots on the field. What's it been like battling it out um, for uh, your spot in, in the starting rotation? Yeah, no, it's, uh, all the guys here are really, really competitive, and uh, it's a mindset you want. You know, you want every player on the, on the team to want to win, and you see that from the guys that aren't going to start each game, but that go in, you see the competitive in them. And you see in the coaching staff, too, at training. Um, they want everyone to compete, and they want winners. And they're going to, on the on the day, they're going to put the starting 11 out that they feel is going to win us the game. And I think every day at training is just uh, the day to get better, but it's also competing against everyone for a spot. And you never really know if you're going to start until, you know, the day before or two days before. So I think... Uh, Training-wise, it's just competing, competing, and then uh, staying healthy. So I think the talent we have that uh, outside back where I'm playing is, is good, too, because we have, you know, Lucas Stauffer from Creighton, who's his first year here as well. And then obviously Ethan Cutler, who's just moved out to the first team, who showed really well last year and this year early on. And, um, I think that you know the competitive and the depth of this team is just it's it's really good 
Now you talk about uh, you know Ethan, and obviously you've got other guys that have were there last year, like uh, Hassan, Adam, and Jordan Scarlett. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much have they yeah. helped you in your development uh, with the team? Yeah, uh, even uh, players like Ben Mines or uh, players that aren't even in my position, they've all helped uh, training and because uh, they've been around the club, they know how what the coaches expect here and how the uh, the style of play is and. Uh, playing some early on games with Hassan next to me. He talked me through the whole thing uh, from my first game up until now, even in trainings. And um, they've all just been really helpful on and off the field. It's uh, not just on the field, but also being a pro outside the field and around the locker room facility. Um, Just watching them in trainings and seeing how they train. And then it's a little bit different from, from how we play at Akron. So just kind of adjusting in certain drills, uh, it's really helped me to understand the game here and how it is to play here. Uh, so, Nico, the, the last bit of results have been a bit difficult. You're talking about one win mm-hmm. in your last five and, you know, not going to go into details about the, the Bethlehem Steel game, but uh, what, what's your feeling and what's the general vibe in the locker room um, in regards to recent results? Yeah, uh, this past week has been been tough. We were we had a lot of games within a week. We had three games within eight days, and uh, I think that a lot of the guys um, it was just hard for us to move on past the first and then second. And we we obviously we haven't won a game on the road, and the Bethlehem game kind of kind of hit us. And um, going into the game, we really wanted to win a game on the road, and that's something that's going to be a challenge for us. But um, I think everyone's starting to stay positive. We're all being positive. We're all working hard. A lot of the guys have played a lot of minutes for the last uh, week, week and a half. And so we're all trying to stay healthy and get rejuvenated, uh, regroup as a team, make sure we're all on the right mindset. We're all together on things. Um, that's one thing we need to we need to make sure we're ready for is that we're all together and we all have the same mindset. We can't go individual. we got to go as a team. So we all know that we're all getting ready for this coming week. Now, obviously, this coming week, you guys have Louisville City, who Red Bull 2 has a lot mm-hmm. of history with. Uh, you know, last year, obviously, you know, in the playoffs, they were eliminated by them. Uh, so what's uh, what, what are you guys doing, uh, you know, to mentally to get over that hump of, you know, not getting a road win? It seems like, you know, this is a game that, you you know, Red Bull 2 usually gets up for. And you guys really have a lot of battles between you and Louisville. So, what are you guys, you know, doing to, uh, you know, fix everything going into this weekend? Yeah, uh, we don't want to look too much into how they're going to play or the history. We got a lot of you guys uh, this year, first uh, first timers for this year, and we we just want to focus on our game. We don't want to look into anyone that we're playing against. We don't want to play to their level or, or to their style, I should say. Um, we just want to make sure we're sharp and, and we can execute how we want to play um, 100%. Um, but I think the way we play, and if we can execute how we want to play to the best we can, then it's going to be a good game, and I think we're going to come out on top. All right, Nico, your time has come. You're going to be subjected to the Raising Bulls lightning round. Are you ready? This is going to be one-word answers. 
I'm sure you've heard what other Red Bull 2 players have said, but now it's your Uh, turn. Here Mm -hmm. we go. Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Fortnite, yes or no? No. Ooh. Wow. Star Wars... Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, Star Wars. Marvel or DC? Marvel. You're playing FIFA World Cup right now. What team are you playing with? Argentina. <laughs> okay, this is this is always the good one. Least funny Red Bull Two player that thinks they are funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Scott Levine. <laughs> okay. Ouch. That's, that's the first that's the first time we've heard his name on the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh and lastly, where's your favorite place to play other than Montclair in uh the USL? Ooh, a favorite place. I he I didn't I haven't been there yet, but I I, I feel like FC Cincinnati is gonna be a, a really, really good place to play at. Well, thank you very much for going through the lightning round, Nico Devera. Good luck this week against Louisville City coming up. Uh, and we will be back with you shortly to preview that game. Stick with us and stick with me, the greatest host of Raising Bulls, Anthony Merced. All right, and we are back here. Thank you so much to Nico Devera for talking to us, especially talking to me because Joe Goldstein's not here, so I'm sure he had a way better time than uh, than he would have in years in in years past because we've been around for so long. All right, so New York Red Bulls two next week face probably their toughest test, which is unfortunate for a team that is not showing well against their lowest test. They're playing Louisville City FC. Oh boy. A record of seven, two, and four with a record in their last five of two, oh, and three. Jeez. Um, Jostine, the puppet of Joe Goldstein. Really Is wish you'd stop referring here? me that, uh, referring to me as that, but okay. <laughs> uh wait, you're not? Wait, are you a real person? I am a real person. I'm as real as it gets. Are are, are you sure? Uh, I mean, I, I know we're all kind of puppets in our own way, but are you sure? I mean, I don't see any strings attached to me, so I think I'm real. This is 2018. Puppets don't have strings anymore. Did you uh, not see Coco? That was an uh, amazing movie with puppets, and there were no strings attached. Didn't see it. Um, anyway, as, far, as far as the game goes, yeah. Uh, I think we'll we'll be in, in, uh, in store for a surprise this weekend. I can see... Red Bull 2 mustering up after two tough losses and getting a draw against Louisville. I know they present a lot of challenges with Cameron, Lanac- uh, Cameron Lancaster up top and George Davis the fourth. They are a handful as far as they, oh, they stick to what they do best, and they are very, very tough to break down, as we've seen this year. But something tells me that 
we will see Red Bull 2 manage to get a couple goals past them and draw this game. And I think it will be one of the turning points in the season for them. As a guy who um, booed the Knicks draft pick this week only because it is our right as a Knicks fan to boo them, I'm going to take a positive approach this week. I'm going to go the other way and say that the New York Red Bulls are going to win this game against Louisville City because I just think they are. And there's no reason whatsoever to think that. But you're right about Cameron Lancaster. You're talking about six goals. Uh, George Davis, the fourth, two goals. I mean, there's so much riding against them in this game, including the coach of Louisville, um, just knowing how to make this team work in the U.S. Open Cup. Ah, uh, man, this is this is not good. I'm, I'm literally rooting against every single stat humanly possible. They're, Louisville City is currently sitting in second place only because they haven't played as many games as FC Cincinnati. Uh, they haven't lost a game in their last five. You're talking, uh, it, this is, things don't look good for Ripple too, but I feel like this team tends to respond when they're expected to lose, Jostine. Um, do you disagree with that? Outside of the Pittsburgh Riverhound game, uh, where I think they just, Bob Lilly just absolutely won a, t- a tactics battle against them. I agree. Um, they really seem the Charlotte game. I, w- I really wasn't confident that they were going to come out and beat them, especially with Charlotte playing so well when they were going into the game. And they came out and performed really well. Granted, this game's on the road and Louisville's played so well and they don't really concede anything. But these games between these two teams always are, they're always close. They always seem to ride on one or two things going one team's way. But I, I, for some reason, their backs are against their backs are they're not against the wall, but they they're riding a streak where they haven't been playing well, and I think they'll be up for this game this weekend. And I think with Louisville focusing more towards the Open Cup a little bit, I think they'll be able to get a result against them. And I, I USL tends to have this baseball uh, mindset in in the sense that you anticipate a team should win, but then they don't. Um, so I, I'm predicting that Red Bull two shows up and they punch Louisville in the mouth and really put a dent in their hopes of taking first place. Cause at this point, look, Red Bull, Red Bull two is in eighth place. I don't know if they legitimately have a shot this year at first place, but it's really great to know that your team can, uh, give a few jabs and keep a team above them out of uh, first place. So Red Bull two is going to win. You heard it here. And I, and and I and I'm speaking for Bill as well. Bill says they Bill says they win. I'm going with a two two draw. Well, you're a Debbie Downer, and that's and that's how it goes. You're just like Joe, Joe Goldstein. But anyway, uh, let's get Justine. Let's get into some news around the USL because you know you and I like to watch this league. You know, watch a lot of games other than the World Cup because. You know, Argentina's kind of boring. Who cares about what Argentina's doing? Um, Reno, 1868, undefeated in 12 games. Are they legit? Yes or no? I think they're legit in the fact that they are one of the best teams in the West, for sure. Um, Playing really well right now. Still think uh, Portland and Phoenix are a little bit better than them, but 
uh, I think they'll be definitely be in the mix uh, come playoff time. Cool. So the Roughnecks have had a coaching change because they have had an abysmal, abysmal season. Uh, their coach was fired after going winless 0-8-7 in the last 13 games of the season. Michael Nissian, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, uh, takes over. What is the feeling about this guy? Are, are we looking at the, are we looking at the just a guy who's taking over for the short term with the Roughnecks, or is this a guy that's trying to make a turnaround to get this team somewhere near a playoff spot? Well, I mean, he holds both uh, you know UEFA and United Soccer uh, Federation coaching licenses. So, I mean, you know, he's the director of coaching for a Tulsa soccer club. He competed He competed in the USL A-League for the Portland Timbers and Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, he's also a Tulsa native, so, I mean, I'm sure he's really excited to take on the challenge. And, you know, hey, I mean, they can't really do much worse right now. So, I mean, I guess anything's better, and I'm interested to see what he does with the team. Okay, the other coaching news, that's a big deal. And th- this one's actually, like, legit crazy. Richmond kickers, Lee, Ta- Lee Collison, uh, Lee Collishaw, I'm sorry. Um, 19 seasons with the Richmond kickers, done. WTF. What, what, what the heck here? I mean, I know they weren't that great this year, but to step away now after the marketing push that they did last year and this year, I mean, man, is, is, is are they hitting the panic button in Richmond? Yeah, I mean, they really haven't performed that well this year. And, you know, it's a shame to see someone who's been there that long step away from the team. But they do need some they do need an overhaul as far as the squad goes. I mean, they really haven't played well this year. Last year they were kind of bottom of the table too. So, you know, change it might be time for a change and we'll see how it uh we'll see how it impacts them. Yeah, definitely. Richmond Kickers, one of those classic American teams that have been around forever. They were in the NASL. They're in every league kind of that could be thought of going into the current USL. But uh, speaking of the current USL Division Two, uh, a few weeks ago, Neil Morris on his podcast, the Inverted Triangle, had on Jake Edwards of the USL, the whatever title he has, CEO, president. Um, was discussing names of the league and the trademarks that they've taken in. And there was a slight insinuation that um, they're moving away from D2, D3, and all those kind of things. And we may see the USL top division, USL D2, um, called something like the championship or something of that sort. What, what's your take on that, uh, Joe Goldstein slash Joe Steen? I'm not really a fan of changing the name. I think it's fine the way it is. Um, I, I think, you know, they should try and establish their own type of brand here and not try and do like how they do it over in Europe. I, I, I like the way they're doing it now, and I think they should just stick to it. Wow. So saying, saying do it. So here's the one thing that, that I will that I will challenge about that. Um, there's a lot of fans here in the United States that say you should do things like Europe. And they're, I'm not saying USL is intentionally moving in this direction, but all signs are pointing to um, things existing in this league in a mini pyramid under USL. 
So why is it a bad thing that they run things like the EFL that you may get, you know, a division three where teams might be promoted or relegated in that system? Not saying they're going to do that. Just saying that it seems like they're growing into that. Why is that such a bad thing? um, If that's what fans have been like complaining for, for the last 20 years. Mm. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I mean, the whole pro rel thing is, I mean, I know people, a lot of people watch, you know, European leagues and they see that, you know, it's exciting when a new team gets promoted, but I mean, the, the whole thing is like the financial backing and all that stuff. I'm just concerned about how that's going to end up working out with the whole promotion relegation for USL. I get that. Look, USL, um, but USL is in a unique scenario that they control the money because none of the teams are making any money right now. Um, So going up and down doesn't quite have the impact that it would have. Maybe you're on YouTube, maybe you're on ESPN Plus. But it'll be interesting to see. So I I play devil's advocate in that scenario, but I can tell you that I'm in the camp of promotion and relegation doesn't really matter to me. Like, it just... It doesn't. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry, all those awful Twitter people that continue to pester people's Twitter account. Go pester Joe Goldstein's Twitter account because he loves to hate ProRel, even though he may or may not. Just go hate him for it. Um, actually, with that said, Jostein, did you hear that Joe Goldstein said that he would prefer that the Cosmos go away forever? I did not. Oh, well... I hear that. So Cosmos fans, let Joe Goldstein know what it's like. And you can find him at Twitter, at Joe Goldstein. And you can find this show at Raising Bulls. Uh, Joe Steen, where can they find you? At Jaysteen15. Ah, and you can find this show at iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play, which is where I listen to things. So please update your Google Play if you have a podcast, because I would really appreciate that. Also, if you never want me to host this show again, please retweet the show at hashtag Merced out. Because if you don't, I'm going to host next week because it's up to me. It's actually not up to Joe Goldstein at all. Um, So retweet the show. um, Use the hashtag Merced out. If you don't, I'm just going to do this all again. And it's going to be all on you and nobody's going to listen. But... Um, if you rather listen to one of the other amazing shows on this sh- on this uh, great, beautiful game network, uh, listen to the USL show, uh, Pittsburgh Scholastic Soccer Show, all of the other great things, Toronto Alley, all the other great shows. Go to the beautiful game network.fm and, and find those things. Uh, special thanks to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf suppliers of MLS, USL, US Soccer, and get custom scarves for your group or team from roughneckscarves.com. We love those guys. And it's the World Cup, so please give your local team a, uh, a shout-out. Um, it is I, Anthony Merced, that has brought this to you at NYC Sports World. Join us next week for the podcast where Joe Goldstein will try to take over, but he won't because I'm here and that's how it goes. Thank you for listening to Raising Balls.